0: In today's episode of the I Can and I Will podcast, I'm going to be doing a two-part series and today will be the first part of popular myths in the fitness industry. So I'm going to be covering five popular myths today and then five next week. So the ones I'll be chatting about today is going to be lifting weights and if it can make you bulky as a woman. Doing ab exercises will help you see visible abs. You can target body fat, um, spot reduction in certain areas with certain exercises and then if you're not sore, it means you didn't have a good workout and also we'll be talking about facet cardio so let's get right on it Welcome back for another episode, or if you're new here, hi, welcome, I'm happy to have you. And before I even get started with this episode, I'm going to leave a note about just make sure you're subscribed if you're not already, so you're notified when I post a new episode. And then if you haven't already, if you would rate and review this podcast, it would really help me out. Share it with a friend. Um, Again, I make nothing from these podcasts, I just truly enjoy talking with you guys and being able to help you guys. So it would really help me to be able to have you guys spread the message to more people and ultimately just be able to help more people. So let's kind of get into the episode. But before that, I want to do a few updates. So first of all, it's around 845 in the morning right now. It's Monday morning. I usually record these podcasts Sunday evening and I went to to sit down yesterday to record this podcast and my mouse from my computer was dead. I have like a Mac desktop and the mouse is like a Bluetooth wireless mouse, right? But it can lose battery. Very rarely, like the battery lasts a long time. Anyways, I went to sit down and it's at 1% battery. It was like, well, I can't record because I can't press the stop button. And I can't do anything with mouse. So I let it charge for a while, and then I went to sit down and record. And honestly, I was just feeling a lot of anxiety. And I wasn't feeling anxiety about talking about this episode by any means because I really enjoy doing these podcasts. Um, but I was just feeling anxious overall. And I wanted to talk about that real quick before I get into this episode, just because I know a lot of people are experiencing anxiety right now. Um, I feel like it definitely has to do with COVID. I mean, COVID has been lasting a very long time probably longer than a lot of us originally had anticipated and especially with the holidays right now and everything coming up it just feels different since we're not you know necessarily with our family we're not doing the same traditions we're not going out and doing things Um, I actually chatted about this in one of my uh, recent YouTube videos kind of talking about how COVID has affected my mental health Um, but I've struggled with anxiety like my pretty much my entire life and if you guys are interested, I was actually thinking about doing a whole episode kind of talking about anxiety um, and kind of what it's like to have anxiety, If you not maybe if you haven't experienced it, and then also like ways that I kind of manage it, just as somebody who's literally had anxiety since I was nine, and I also take anxiety medication. I've been off and on that for years as well. Um, anyways, that's not what this episode is about, but I wanted to share that with you guys because I want to always be very real and honest with you guys, and I'm not, you know. I'm not always perfect and happy and and ready to record and ready to film. Like, I definitely have my moments where I'm just like, I I just can't do this right now. And I feel like the best podcast episodes for me are when I'm really feeling in the mood to record. And so I don't want to ever like force something because obviously you guys are going to be able to tell I'm not excited about it, which that's definitely not the case this morning. So... I had my coffee. I'm currently sipping on my second cup of coffee um, and I'm ready to record this episode. So before we fully get into the episode, I did want to just mention um, if you're not already subscribed to my YouTube channel and if you're into watching YouTube videos, I'm doing a 12 days of Christmas on there. So there'll be 12 episodes this month, Um, just different fun episodes, mainly vlogging stuff, but I'll also be doing some stuff like some Christmassy stuff like Decorating and putting up our christmas tree doing some gingerbread houses making cookies like kind of fun christmas stuff Um, so if you're into that I will leave the link for my youtube channel below in the description of this podcast episode um And then also the last thing I wanted to mention just before we get into the episode is if you guys are currently doing my body breakthrough guide, or if you're not familiar with what that is, it is a free six week gym guide. Again, I will leave that linked below in the description. I always leave a bunch of links there. So if you're ever curious about what might be going on or anything, just check out the description. There's tons of links, like I said, Um, but it is a totally free six week gym guide and that will end right before the new year. So I was actually thinking about doing a second guide that will be for the new year and with that guide it will be like a step up so there'll be video demonstrations with the exercises and I'm also planning on having a having an option where you can add on a macro consult so it'll be like a phone call like a 30 minute phone call with me to talk about your goals talk about you know how I can help you achieve them and give you some macros so it's not like coaching you don't have weekly check-ins um obviously there's way more that gets involved with coaching so it's not going to be the same price as coaching however this would be good for somebody who doesn't you know really know what they're doing but kind of just wants some guidance in the beginning and maybe just wants some macros to follow again there's no weekly check ins so I won't be adjusting your macros but it will definitely help you get started and then if you realize you know you want to continue then you can always um, sign up for coaching if that's something you are interested in but I just want to do this to be able to help you guys at a more affordable rate um, especially for those of you guys who who are probably affected right now with COVID. I know all of us to some degree are, I think, financially affected by COVID. And so I want to be able to help you guys still achieve your goals. Um, So... Now that we have all the updates done, let's get into this episode. So, as you guys heard, it's gonna be a two-part series. I was like, I was sitting down to write down notes for this episode. As you guys know, I, I only really take a few notes, just so I make sure I stay on track because I can definitely talk and go on tangents. Um, and I had like 10 different topics I wanted to talk about. And as I was taking the notes, I was like, wow, this is gonna be a really long episode. So I was like, you know what, let's just break this up into two episodes. So today's part one, and in the very beginning getting you guys heard what I'm going to be talking about. I just wanted to preface that so that way if these are topics you're interested in you know to stick around. If there are topics you're not necessarily interested in that's okay. Come back for next week episode if you're interested in that but I would highly suggest listening through because I feel like I'm going to be able to debunk some of these thoughts that you may have, or just things that you're not sure about, because there's kind of some controversy on some of them, especially when we get to fasted cardio. I know there's a lot of controversy on that, and I'm going to debunk it for you guys, talk about if it actually makes a difference or not. So let's get started with the very first one, and that's going to be that lifting weights as women can make us bulky. And the reason I wanted to start with this one is because I feel like this is such a huge misconception, and you guys have heard me talk about it in previous episodes, if you've been following along with podcasts. And I've been talking about how I'm going to talk about that. And what I want to say in the very beginning is I've been lifting for almost five years now and I lift heavy. I lift five to six days a week, mainly five right now, but I have in six in the past. Um, I push myself and I lift very heavy and I'm not bulky. So this right here is an example. Like I've been lifting for five years with very strategic lifting, progressive overload, meaning that increasing sets and reps over time. Really focusing on trying to build muscle, but obviously, I'm not bulky. So, I hope that that kind of first off debunks some of this stuff, you know. Okay, if I if I'm lifting that much and I'm lifting for this long and I'm not bulky, you're not going to get bulky either. And the reason behind this is just because as women, we don't produce as much testosterone as men. So, it's much 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 easier for men to gain muscle. You know, they can they don't really have to do nearly as much as women do to gain muscle. And in some degrees, it's kind of frustrating as a woman if you're actually trying to put on muscle. Um it can take a lot longer. And so I don't want you guys thinking that because you're lifting weights or because you're lifting heavy or whatever, that you're going to get bulky. You're not going to get bulky. You're not going to look manly. And the women that you do see that look like that, 9 out of 10 times are taking something. And by that, I mean on some sort of steroids. Um, So. Please, you know, I know there, there are women out there that look like that and a lot of them are specifically trying to look like that for a certain reason, whether they compete um, or whatever the case is. Um, just know that a lot of them are actually taking something and it's not like they just woke up overnight lifting weights and looked like that. Um, and with that being said, if you actually wanted to gain that much muscle... It takes so, 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 so much work because like I said, I've been lifting for five years and I still don't have that much muscle where I look bulky, right? I don't want to look bulky and I know that I won't look bulky. And that's also because you have to eat so, 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 so much to be able to get to that point because building muscle, not only does it require going to the gym, lifting weights with a plan, especially progressive overload. Like I mentioned, we're increasing sets and reps over time and getting better at the exercise, where you're breaking down muscle tissue and then rebuilding that muscle tissue when you're recovering and resting, um, you need to be eating enough in order to fuel your body and in order for your body to help with rebuilding that muscle tissue. So yes, eating a lot will help you build muscle, but eating a lot does not mean that you're going to get bulky either. So a lot of these women that are really trying to get bulky are probably eating 3000 plus calories a day, like insane amounts. And especially the men too, that are really trying to get bulky. So keep that in mind. You're not going to get bulky just because you lift weights. If you want to look, I I don't like this word, but if you want to look toned, if you want to look defined. If you want to have muscle definition and look lean, you need to have muscle. You need to lift weights. No more just doing cardio exercises and Bodyweight circuits, that's not going to get you the physique that you're wanting. Trust me, I've been there. You know, I started my fitness journey, if you guys listen to episode two, talking about how I had just started doing cardio and doing bodyweight circuit exercises. I lost a lot of weight, but I was just skin and bones. I had no definition. I didn't have abs. I had... I had nothing, right? I had no butt, I had literally nothing. I was just, like I said, stick straight. It wasn't until I started lifting and also focusing on my nutrition and incorporating a little bit of cardio here and there that I was really able to start Changing my body and adding more shape to it, and more definition in my arms and my legs and my core. So I wanted to start with that one because I just really feel very strongly about that. That there are so many misconceptions that women are going to get bulky, and trust me, I get it. I was one of them when I first started, which is why I didn't go in the weight room. One, I was intimidated. I didn't know what I was doing, and. Two, I thought I was going to get bulky and look manly. So that's another reason why I created that guide is because I wanted you guys to have something that is totally free to refer to because I know when I first started my fitness journey, I would have loved to have that. So, um, okay, let's move on to number two now that we've (laughs) discussed number one. Um, so number two is doing ab exercises will help you have visible abs. And the reason I want to talk about this one is because I hear this all the time. And I hear this from a lot of clients too, that'll be like, why don't you give me more ab exercises? And then I explain to them, you know, this is this is why, and this is how you get abs. So let's first talk about how do you get abs. And a lot of you guys have probably heard the talk that, you know, abs are made in the kitchen. And that's pretty much true. And that's because abs are a lot, you know, created, I guess, by by focusing on your nutrition. And the reason for that is because focusing on your nutrition is going to allow you to lose body fat. Um, Also, obviously workouts and everything too. But in order to have visible abs, you have to be at a low enough body fat percentage. Let me say that again. In order to have abs, you have to be at a low enough body fat percentage. So that means losing weight. That means losing the body fat that is covering your abs. So Doing ab exercises, doing crunches, doing sit-ups, doing planks, all of that, it's not going to get you abs. You could do a million a day. I don't care. You're not going to get abs. You will not see your abs until you are lean enough. And this is why we don't all walk around with abs, right? Because we're not all at a very low body fat percentage. Um, I don't do any ab exercises whatsoever in any of my workouts. I very, very rarely have my entire fitness journey. Yet I have you know, some core definition. And when I was competing and very lean, I had visible six pack abs. Um, so, you know, that's because I was at a very low body fat percentage. I had really focused on my nutrition and, um, making sure I was in a caloric deficit, because again, that's how we lose weight, making sure we're in that caloric deficit, meaning that we are intaking less calories than we are burning. And that's either through food or cardio, or just like expending more energy or a little bit of both. So, Ab exercises are great in the sense that they can help strengthen your core, which can be very helpful for one overall health and safety, right? You want to make sure you have a strong core, which is going to be less likely for you to like hurt your back when you're bending over and picking something up. Um, and also to it helps with a lot of your lifts. So a lot of compound lifts you need to have, be able to brace your core. But with that being said, the reason I don't prescribe a lot of ab exercises is because in a lot of workouts that you are doing, you know, if you're doing, you know, proper exercises and proper form, you are actually engaging your core, especially when we're doing standing exercises. So I will incorporate like different standing shoulder presses, standing lateral raises, single arm movements, especially too, because now you have to really work on your balance. So you have to strengthen your core more. So if you're doing a split squat or um, anything like that, where you are putting more weight on one side than the other, your core has to tighten to help you stay upright and, and stay balanced. So we are incorporating our core with many exercises that we do, especially when we are doing these compound exercises. We need to be bracing our core. And this is why you will see some people use lifting um belts, which I could talk about in a different episode. But basically that helps you to have something for your your core to brace against. Um I don't really believe in lifting belts unless you are a power lifter because you can't teach your core how to engage properly and how to how to brace itself properly because you need to be able to do that without a belt and this is where you really develop a strong core So again, I do not incorporate a lot of ab exercises. I will every now and then if I have a client that really wants to just do some because they enjoy it. But do not do ab exercises thinking that you are going to see abs because I promise you're not and it's a waste of your time. You would have a lot better results if you focus on overall strength training. You know, you focus on training your legs, your arms, your um, back, your shoulders, everything, right? And then with that, you're incorporating your core like I mentioned, and if you really want visible abs, you have to be at a low enough body fat percentage. And it doesn't matter, you know, like, yes, we see some people who maybe have abs, but they don't look as lean. And that's because we all hold body fat differently, right? We all store it in different places. Some people store more body fat in their waist than they do in their legs and hips. Some people store more in their legs and their hips, their glutes than they do in their core, right? This is all just genetically determined where we store our, bad, our body fat percent or our just our body fat in general. Um, So some people don't have to be necessarily as lean in order to see abs. Um, However, again, that's just a lot of where your genetics lie. But that does not mean that you have to have good genetics in order to look good and have a six pack. No, it's not the case. If you're at that low enough body fat percentage, you're paying attention to your nutrition, you're working out still, your strength training, you're going to develop a strong core. So don't think that you need to do ab exercises in order to see abs. I personally hate training abs. I don't do them. And I still have a lot of core definition. So I just wanted to say that because I spent many, many years doing tons of ab exercises and never seeing results. And I didn't know why. And I wish that somebody was just like, would shake me and be like, stop doing it. You just need to focus on your nutrition and get to a lower body fat percentage. Um, With that being said, this kind of leads us into number three. But what I want to say is you cannot spot reduce, you cannot choose a specific, you know, spot on your body where you want to lose weight. So by doing abs, you know, ab exercises, sit-ups, crunches, whatever, you are not choosing to lose body fat from your core. And again, this goes back to, we are all genetically predisposed to where we hold our body fat. So number three is you cannot target fat or you can target fat burn in specific areas with certain exercises. No, you cannot. So you can't, like I said, you cannot spot reduce. We cannot do, um, like I said, ab exercises and expect to see abs. We cannot do inner thigh stuff and expect to have a thigh gap. We cannot do just like arms and expect to have these really lean arms, right? This all determines where we hold our body fat. So like I mentioned, some of us store more body fat in the upper half of our body and some of us store more body fat in the lower half of our body. And so for me, when I start to lean out, I see more definition in my arms before I do my legs and my glutes and everything, right? I lose a lot quicker body fat in my top half, but it takes me a lot longer to see defined legs. And that's just because I hold a lot of my body fat In my legs, in my glutes, sometimes not always in a great way, right? In my inner thighs. So no, I don't have a thigh gap, and that's just because I hold my fat there. Some people don't hold much fat in their legs and have really defined legs, but they hold it more in their triceps, in their lower stomach, in their arms. You know, like we—they hold it differently. So we cannot choose specific areas with specific exercises. Yes, doing specific exercises will help to build some muscle. But it doesn't just like replace that fat. And that's one of the topics I'm going to be talking about in the next episode. So next week's episode, I'm going to be talking about how muscle, you cannot turn fat into muscle and muscle does not just turn into fat. So again, that will be in next week's episode. But when we lose body fat, we lose body fat from all over, right? We are not just saying, hey, I want to lose it only in my core, right? We all wish we could just have abs and a nice butt and keep our boobs, right, ladies? I mean... We all know when you start to lose weight, you can start to lose some of your boobs. You start to lose a little bit of your butt. And that's just because we're losing body fat all over. And this also kind of explains why we don't necessarily look that different for the first few weeks, because think about it. We're just losing a little bit here and there, a little bit in our arms, a little bit in our core, a little bit in our legs, right? It's not until we get a lot further along that we're like, wow, because now we've seen inches fall off of different places. So measurements don't change every single time that we take our measurements right they're not going to change weekly they're not going to even change like every other week usually it takes several weeks and that's just because if you think about it we're not just losing weight in our waist so we're not just going to see an inch fall off our waist in a week right that doesn't happen it takes time because we're losing a little bit here a little bit there a little bit here so if you're losing a pound to a pound and a half of you know, weight every single week, you're not just losing it from one place. And so think about that one pound distributed between your whole body. So let's say you weigh 140 pounds and you lose one pound. You're not going to see that one pound come off of your waist, two pounds come off your waist, three pounds come off your waist. It's not gonna be until you lose a lot more that you're really going to see that difference. So like I said, Ultimately, we all store our body fat in different places depending upon what our genetics are and how we lose our body fat. And for a lot of us, it does. We have that one spot that's like a stubborn spot, right? Whether it's your lower stomach, your inner thighs, your whatever it is, right? We have that one stubborn spot. I think we can all agree we have it. And it's annoying, right? We're like, just go away. <laughs> I've worked out so much and I eat so healthy. Why are you still there? And that's because it's like at the bottom of the pool. And this is how I like to explain it. It's like, if you have a swimming pool and we're draining the swimming pool, it drains pretty quickly from the top, right? And then when we get to the bottom and there's just like a big puddle left, it takes so long to drain, right? Just because there's not very much to help push it out. There's not a whole lot to to drain from, Right. So this is the same with our body, if you think about it. You know, if we have the more body fat we have, a little bit easier it is to lose because we have a lot more. But once we get to the lower body fat and we're trying to get rid of that one stubborn spot, it takes so much more time and so much more effort. So keep that in mind. Um, You're not going to be able to, unfortunately, we can't choose where we lose weight. I wish we could. We would all walk around looking amazing, right? We'd all have these nice... Glutes, we'd all have a nice core with six pack, nice defined arms, we'd all look amazing. I wish that was the case, but it, unfortunately, it's just not. So let's move on to number four. And this is a very common one I hear a lot of times too. If you're not sore, it means you didn't have a good workout. This is false. This is not true. We cannot put a correlation to, between being sore and having an effective and good workout. So Soreness is basically DOMS. Maybe you've heard that term before and that is delayed onset muscle soreness. So it usually happens around a day after and especially up to two days after. So a lot of us will feel, you know, if we're sore in our legs, let's say we train legs Monday, we'll feel a little bit sore Tuesday and then we'll feel a lot more sore Wednesday. Come Thursday, it's pretty much gone. And this is just because this is our body's recovering process, right? When we're in the gym and we're lifting weights, or even if we're lifting weights at home, we are breaking down our muscle tissue that can cause muscle soreness. And then our body is rebuilding it, rebuilding that muscle, t- muscle tissue. So basically how we get sore is once we are doing a new stimulus, we add a new stimulus to our body. So whether that is a new exercise, that's a very common one, a new form of working out. So if you go for a run and you're not a runner, chances are you're going to be sore the next day. Or if we increase weight a lot, um, we start to really minimize our rest time and we're just more repeatedly working out quicker. Um, These are a lot of things that can cause soreness, but Just because we're sore does not mean we had a good workout. It just means our body is not used to that exercise. And this kind of goes back to progressive overload, which is that if you are increasing your sets and your reps over time, you're increasing your weight over time, you are allowing your body time to catch up to the stimulus that you're adding because we're doing it slowly and progressing with it. And therefore you're seeing more results. So what I want to give you guys kind of like an analogy with this one is because I'm trying to give you like analogies with each one that will help you kind of be like, oh yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> like I get it now. So if we think about advanced power lifters, right? When a power lifter is usually doing the main compound movements, So they're doing a squat, a deadlift, a bench press, and they're usually doing those same exercises repeatedly for a long time, Right. A lot of their workouts have a lot of those same exercises Um, and they are increasing weight over time because that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to lift heavier, but they're not sore every single time, yet they're getting stronger. They're getting bigger. They're getting closer to their goal, but they're not sore. So I want you to think about the fact that you do not need to be sore just because you, um, you could feel like you had the best workout and the next day you're not sore and you're like, what the heck? I didn't have a good workout. No, get that thinking out of your head. That is not true. Again, I've been lifting for almost five years now. I do not get sore all the time. Very rarely do I actually get sore because I stick to a lot of the same movements because I know they work for my body. I get really good at them. I increase my strength with them. I increase the sets and the reps, right? So again, progressive overload. A lot of this comes back to progressive overload if we're wanting to build muscle. And that's why being on a, you know, specific training plan that's really incorporating that is very important. Um, so I don't get sore all the time. I will get sore if I add in new stimulus and new exercise. But after doing that exercise a few times, I'm not sore anymore because my body has adapted to it. And that's a good thing. We don't want to constantly be sore because if we're constantly sore, we cannot perform at our best for the next time we do like the workout, right? So like I mentioned, if we're doing legs on Monday, we're supposed to do legs again on Thursday and we're still sore. That's not effective because now our workout's not going to be nearly as good. So I want to mention some good ways that you can kind of gauge your effectiveness of your workout. And the main one I want to talk about is RPE scale. And if you are um, subscribed to my newsletter, you would have heard me talk about this a few weeks back, but I want to mention it here because I feel like it's um, something that not a lot of lifters know about, not until they're a little bit more advanced. And I feel like it's a very, very helpful tool. So RPE stands for your ratings of perceived exertion. So meaning how hard we think that the activity or the exercise is. So 10 being, oh my God, extremely hard, I'm at failure. One being like, this was absolutely nothing. (laughs) And what I wanna go off of is kind of like a rep scheme. So if we get to 10, that means zero reps left in the tank. We cannot do any more reps, we are at complete failure. If we're at nine, that means we could do one extra rep. We have one rep left in the tank. Eight, we have two reps left in the tank. Seven, three, six, four, you can see so forth. Right? We wanna be training for most of the time. It depends upon your training plan and what you're working on. Most of the time, we wanna be training in that seven to sometimes up to nine rep range. Very rarely are we gonna go to 10. We should not always be training to failure. But if we're doing an AMRAP, meaning we are doing as many reps as possible, or testing a one rep max, then yes, we're gonna be going to 10. We're going to be going to failure. The reason I'm mentioning this whole RPE scale is because this is a great way for you to gauge your intensity and effectiveness in your workouts. So you may be thinking you're pushing yourself, but a way to be able to gauge if you're actually pushing yourself is, let's just say, for example, we're doing a reverse lunge, right? And let's say that the plan calls for you to do eight reps of a dumbbell reverse lunge. And it's eight reps each leg. We're doing our left leg. We get to eight reps and we feel like we could have done four more. Well, now we're at an RPE of six then. That's not necessarily optimal. We wanna be, again, around that seven to up to nine, right? So we wanna have generally rule of thumb is two, one or two reps left in the tank. That's where we're training at our high level of intensity, but we're not training to failure, right? We are really, really pushing ourselves, but we are not pushing ourselves to the point of basically being dead afterwards, right? Being exhausted. We don't wanna get to that point. Um, There serves a purpose for that time, like I mentioned, but this is not optimal all the time. So what I want you to do next time you're working out is when you're doing your exercise and you're doing your specific reps, once you get to the amount of reps you're supposed to do, whether it's eight, 10, 12, whatever it is, ask yourself, how many more reps can I do? And see, if you can do, you can actually even do this, do as many reps as possible, right? If you did an extra four or five reps, you are not training at your highest intensity level, meaning you need to up your weight. The weight is too light and you need to be... Pushing yourself more. So, I don't want you to correlate soreness to an effective workout. That's not true. It is if you are actually pushing yourself. And so, This is where the RPE scale comes in handy because we can actually tell if we are pushing ourselves. So this is a really great way for you to be able to measure your intensity when you're working out by yourself, especially a lot of times when we're working out with somebody else, we can, they can say, Hey, you can do more. Or we're working out with a trainer and they're like, yeah, keep going. That was too easy for you. Or they're like, hey, increase your weight. This is a great way for you to do this on your own without anybody being there. I want you to do this next time you're working out and do it every day you work out this week, you know, all the different muscle groups and really start to see what exercises have you been, you know, Kind of getting by with and going through the motions. What exercises can you increase your weight in? And again, this is kind of going to vary if you're working out at a gym or working out at home. If you're working out at home, you're probably a lot more limited with the weight you have. So, at that case, increase your reps, right? Increase your sets. But if you're working out in a gym, increase your weight. Okay. Let's move on to the last one. Actually, before we move on to that, I want to talk about one thing that kind of is a a, a little similar to number four. And that is that if you didn't sweat, you didn't have a good workout. That is not true either. And this kind of goes back to sweat is a lot determined by our genetics, right? There's some people that just sweat way easier than other people. I myself am one of those people. I sweat. Very very easily, and sometimes it's very frustrating because I'm like, I don't want to sweat right now. Just just stop. I, I don't need to sweat right now, or you know you get that booty sweat, whatever it is, and you're like, Ugh, I I don't want to look like I peed my pants, ladies. I'm sure some of you guys can relate to this, and some of you probably are like, what? That doesn't happen to me, and that's just because that is determined by how much we sweat. Right? We're, we're all different. Some of us sweat more than others. That does not determine our fitness level. That does not determine how good our workout was. Our workout goal is not to sweat, right? It's not just like, hey, let me go in here and see how much I can sweat. Yes, yeah, sweating does feel good sometimes, and especially if we're doing cardio and it's like, oh, I felt like I had such a good cardio session. I got so sweaty, right? It can feel good and if you can feel a little bit more accomplished maybe if you're doing cardio and you're sweating, But I don't want you to like go into the gym or into your workout or whatever thinking if I didn't sweat, I didn't get a good workout. No, if you're doing, if you're using that RPE scale, like I just mentioned, and you're actually seeing how effective is your workout? How much are you pushing yourself? What is your intensity level? If you're pushing yourself to that seven to to nine, I would even aim for eight is my general rule of thumb. If you're pushing yourself to eight RPE and you're not sweating, that's okay you're getting a really, really good workout in. So it doesn't matter, you know, and there's also things that can determine how much we sweat, right? What type of setting we're in, if our gym has air conditioning, if it does not, if we're working out in a humid um, area, if we're working out at higher elevation, like there's a lot of different things that determine our sweat levels. And I'm not going to get into like sweat glands and all that specific stuff because that's not my area of forte, but I will tell you, sweat is a lot determined by genetics and just how much we naturally sweat. So Do not go thinking that if you did not sweat, you did not have a good workout. And I envy you to be honest, if you can go work out and not sweat because having to come home, shower, wash your, well, obviously you're going to shower no matter what, but having to wash your hair and like redo makeup or whatever and getting your clothes, like looking like you literally walked out of a pool is not always so fun. (laughs) Okay, moving on. Number five, let's talk about fasted cardio. And I feel like this is a really good one because I feel like there is so much controversy over this, especially the last few years. This kind of goes back to like intermittent fasting. I feel like so many people believe intermittent fasting is like the end all be all right. And the reason that this that is not in here is because I did a whole episode on intermittent fasting. So if you're curious about that, go check out that episode. I can't remember what number it was. It was a few episodes back. So just scroll back in the episode list um, and you will see it there. Um, I included some studies too to kind of talk about it and just explain why intermittent fasting would be good or wouldn't be good. Um, So let's talk about fasted cardio. And there have been a lot of studies on fasted cardio as well just because it has been a highly talked about thing. A lot of people believe it really does help with fat loss. And the reason that they believe this is because once you're working out in a fasted state, whether you're working out or doing cardio, you, are, you have a higher fat oxidization. So you're burning through more fat, but it does not mean you're burning through body fat, okay? So you have higher fat oxidization, and this has been proven and I'm not going to say that's not true, right? You have higher fat oxidization when you are working out without any food in your stomach when you are fasted. And that is just because you don't have as much glycogen stores. You don't have, you haven't ate in a long time, right? But we have not completely depleted our glycogen stores by just sleeping, right? It takes a lot more than that. Okay. We have muscle glycogen, liver glycogen. We have not just depleted all of that just by sleeping eight hours, even 10 hours, whatever. That's not the case. So, the reason that people, again, believe that, the, that fasted cardio helps with fat loss is just because they hear, oh, okay, well, you burn more fat oxidization in a, in a fasted state, so duh, that means that you burn more fat and you have higher fat loss. No, no, false. Do not think that way. And that's because they do not go into the more, they don't really actually debunk it and, and look thoroughly. A lot of people just take something for, for what it is or what they think it is, and they don't actually like question it or, or look more into it, right? You, you hear that in an article and you stop reading You're like, Oh, that's it. I'm done. No, that's not true. There's been tons of studies that have shown that just because you have a, fi- a higher fat oxidization during a fasted state does not mean you have a higher net fat oxidization through the whole day, meaning that you are at a higher fat oxidization than somebody and not in a fasted state. And this is the case, is because after you're done doing your cardio, you're done doing your exercise, you're actually have a lower fat oxidization throughout the rest of the day than somebody who worked out in a fed state. So people who are working out when they are fed do have lower fat oxidization during that time they're working out, whether doing cardio or exercise, However, studies have shown they have a higher fat oxidization throughout the rest of the day than those who have been fasted. So When we look at the overall net fat oxidization for the whole day, there is no difference between the two of them. Studies have shown absolutely no difference. So it doesn't matter if you're working out fasted, if you're not working out fasted, just because you have a higher fat oxidization during the time you're working out does not equate to fat loss. Again, remember how we lose fat is to be consuming less calories than we are burning at the end of the day that is what matters it does not there's no magic way to lose fat and I know we all wish there was right we wish there was a magic pill we wish we could just do fasted cardio and lose fat way faster we wish we could take fat burners whatever the case is those things don't work you have to be in a caloric deficit in order to lose weight so keep that in mind so when people ask me like hey should I do fasted cardio what are your thoughts on fasted cardio this kind of goes back to what I talked about in intermittent fasting do you enjoy doing fasted cardio? Do you like getting it done first thing in the morning before you eat? If the answer is yes, go for it. There's literally, there's no harm to working out in a fasted or to doing exercise in a fasted state, um, to doing cardio in a fasted state, right? If you like it, if it works with your schedule, if it's just easier for you to get up first thing, go do cardio, come back, shower, eat, whatever, great. That's totally fine. But if you are somebody like, I dread it, I'm hungry in the morning, I want to have my cup of coffee with creamer in it, I don't want to have to go do cardio right away, don't do it. It doesn't help you, right? What helps you in the long run is something that you can adhere to, something that you enjoy, and something that you're going to actually do, okay? It doesn't matter if it's first thing in the morning or not. So kind of going off of like, let's talk about fasted exercise, fasted working out. Um, Because there's some like controversy on that, like, oh, if you're working out fasted, it's not good because you don't have as much, you know, energy in your body and fuel in your body to to fuel your workouts. And to some degree, that's true. However, if you are working, if your like schedule only allows for you to work out at four o'clock in the morning, you're not going to eat before that because now you've started your calories really early on in the day. And if you're staying up till nine or 10 PM, you know, whatever the case is, you're going to have a lot, like you're going to have to spread your calories throughout the entire day. And chances are you're going to end up going over because you're going to be hungry because you're going to be so limited with calories then. So for people that work out first thing in the morning, early like that, I I agree, go work out without food. It doesn't really make that big of a difference. Where it really makes a big difference is having food after your workout, making sure that you are getting in some protein and recovering after your workout. So I hope that that kind of explained you fasted cardio and that that all made sense. I know I kind of got a little bit more scientific with talking about fat oxidization, but really that is like the main, uh, belief behind it and the reasoning behind it and what studies have talked about. So With that, I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. Again, we're already at like 37 minutes. So that's why I didn't want to make this be a whole 10 10 different topics because I wanted to go in depth on each topic. So with that, I'm going to leave you guys. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day, a great start to your week if you're listening to this on Monday. And I hope you get after your goals. Remember, the year is not done. Do not wait till the new year's. You have the choice every single day to go after your goals. So on that note, I'll see you guys in next week's episode.